This episode of Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Greetings, programs, and welcome back to the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. So uh, we're recording this on the heels of the last episode because we didn't want you guys to go without a show this week. Because uh, Derek and I are uh, in the middle of making a uh, short film production as we speak, and you're listening to this. So uh, we decided to do this earlier in the week. So um, we got a couple of news stories for you and lots of video game history for the month of June. So before we start, Derek, how have you been doing since we talked yesterday? Well, it's been a while. It's been a <laughs> long, a long time. Um, I'm actually uh, in the process of moving into my new house. Yes, so that's congratulations. Been, uh, it's been a very, thank you. It's been a very long process. Been moving since about, uh, about 8.30 or 9 this morning. And uh, decided to take a little lunch break, had some delicious Chinese food, and uh, now recording this podcast. And as soon as we're done, uh, going to get back to it. So, been a been a very busy uh, Memorial Day, but it's a productive one. Oh yeah, I got uh, I got a new entertainment center coming in. As soon as we get done recording this, I'm moving in my new entertainment center for all my retro gaming stuff. Getting the office set up here so that we can do start doing. Uh, live Twitch streaming while we do the shows, so you guys can actually watch us do this show. I don't know why you would, but uh, you know, a lot of people like to do that these days. So that's what I'm what I'm getting set up for in here in my office. Well, hopefully, my face won't scare away too many people. <laughs> so we'll we'll see. Uh, same here. But let's go ahead and move into the news for this week. <laughs> This isn't so much news. This was actually just a post that I found on Reddit by Tigger Claw. Uh, it says, why I believe the NES is overrated. And he says, I love the NES, but right now, is it overrated? Along with the 2600 Genesis and PlayStation, it is one of the great consoles. It delivered classic games after classic game. Yet, after attending the Vancouver Retro Gaming Expo yesterday, his opinion has changed. And I'm just going to do the bullet points here. From a monetary standpoint, NES cartridges are overvalued. Number two, the NES is overvalued when compared to the P uh, PS2. Number three, the NES is overvalued compared to same-generation computer games. Uh, the NES market is rife with speculation. Retro gamers are still buying. Uh, the retro community has been here before. Uh, and basically what he's saying about this is we're kind of in the middle of a bubble right now with uh, speculation. Uh, and if anybody knows anything about speculators, it's basically what happened to the comics industry in the 90s where you have these people who aren't even into what it is they're collecting. They're basically collecting these games and hoarding them uh, and selling them at top dollar because they're trying to make a buck. It's a speculator's market right now. Um, and that's why we're paying hundreds of dollars for some of these games. And, you know, like Legend of Zelda, uh, the original gold cartridges, 
they're not by any stretch of the imagination rare games, but they're going for 50, 60 bucks at these retro shops and online. There's no reason for that. These games shouldn't be more than five, 10 bucks. Um, and the reason I wanted to bring this up is I wanted to get your opinion, Derek. And, I, and out there, anybody listening, I'd like your opinions as well. Get a hold of us on Twitter and Facebook uh, at Nerd Cave Retro. Uh, the speculator market, it's going to burst. Sooner or later, it's getting to the point. I think it's about to burst because it's been going on for, you know, five, six, seven years now. Um, I think we're to the point where these, uh, especially at, at, at different conventions and stuff where you see these uh, retro game stands, they're not being able to move product now because they're so expensive. People can't afford these games anymore. And it's just the whole thing is going to come crashing down. And it's going to get back down to where people like us who are actually playing these games and they want them not to resell them, but to play them and own them. It's going to get better for us. So I want to get your opinion. Do you think that's about to happen or do we still have a few years left before the crash, the inevitable crash happens? I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. The way I look at it is it's kind of one of those things, you know, what's old is new again. Mm-hmm. And it also has to deal with nostalgia and sentimental value drive a lot of people. Yeah. But money also drives a lot of people. And whenever I started reading this story, the first thing I thought of was the NES Classic. It's a new console, but it has old games that we all grew up loving. Yeah. And then people buy it and then they sell it for a ridiculous amount of price or mm-hmm. ridiculous amount of money. Uh, the same thing's happening now because we have a couple of retro stores here in town and they sell some of the games for prices that I would never pay for. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, I'm not going to pay, you know, I'll say there are a very select number of games that I would pay a, a good amount of money for to have, you know, in mint condition still in the box and everything. Mm-hmm. That That's a completely different story. But if you're just buying you know, some relatively common uh, Super Nintendo game and you see it for like 30 bucks. There's no way I'm paying that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's like the it's like the gold box or uh, the gold cartridge um, Legend of Zelda. Why are they charging $50 for those? I'm not, I mean, if I found one that was mint in the box that was still sealed in plastic, yeah, I'll give you $200 for that. Easy. But one that's out of the box, you know, the, the covers, the, the, the stickers torn a little bit or, or worn down. There's some, you know, some spots on the gold cartridge that have been rubbed away. Like I'll give you 10, 15 bucks. Maybe I'm not giving you 50 bucks for that. I'm sorry. I can wait until I can find one, uh, you know, at a, at a flea market or a yard sale or wait. I can wait till the price comes down because it will eventually this happens all the time. I think a lot of it with the Zelda aspect, I say that a lot of sellers will assume that people like just say a common you know person who's looking for retro games, but doesn't really do a lot of research. They'll see Legend of Zelda mm-hmm. and they know that means something because it's an iconic franchise. They're like, oh, it's the old Zelda cartridge. I haven't seen this in forever. And they, they'll assume that that's what you have to pay for it to get it. Mm-hmm, exactly. They won't, lo- they won't look to see, oh, well, this is actually, you can find this pretty regularly versus a game, you know, like an Earthbound that's hard to find. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing. You go to, the, like, some of these resellers that I find at the flea market, you know, they'll have Super Mario Brothers 3 
and it's not even in great condition and they'll be charging like 30 bucks for it 40 bucks for it and i'm like are you nuts you, you realize that there's like 30 million of these floating out in the public i mean these yeah. are you know five ten bucks maybe maybe ten between five and ten bucks is what that game is worth and they're selling it for 20 30 sometimes 40 bucks for a super mario brothers 3 and you know, it just kind of sucks because I really got back into the. I've been in and out of retro gaming for years, but I'm really in it now because, you know, I'm middle aged. I'm, I'm hitting my uh, uh, mid midlife crisis and I want all these games and things that I had as a kid because I, it's nostalgia. I love them so much. And like I said, I'm not buying this stuff to resell it. I'm never going to resell it. It's something that I want to have personally. No, absolutely. I'm in the same situation, you know, trying to find games that I grew up loving and seeing people who try to take advantage of others just to make a little bit of extra money. That's that's something that really gets under my skin. And that's why, like, I got so pissed off about the whole NES classic thing. Yeah, because I'm like, you, you guys aren't buying these because you want to relive your childhood. You're buying these because you know that they'll be in high demand and you want to make money. Yeah. But I'd love to hear what people have to say about it. Um, if you're listening to this episode, just get a hold of us on Twitter at NerdCaveRetro and on Facebook at uh, Facebook.com slash NerdCaveRetro. And let us know what you think about the speculator bubble and if you think it's going to happen really soon. I think it's going to happen all of a sudden within the next year. And all of a sudden, these games are just the, the prices of these games are going to come crashing. I think we, so, it just too. Can't, it can't contain it can't sustain itself at the point it's at right now. It can't. No, no, it won't. No, I, at some point, I think within the next year, we'll see it start to come down a little bit. And then a year to two years is when we'll, I think, really see it start to go down. Yeah, absolutely. At least that's what I'm hoping for anyway. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but um, another Reddit article, and I, I don't really go on Reddit that much, so this is kind of a nice change. And I, I had to do a little bit of research on this because I didn't know who the guy was at first until like I saw his photo. Mm -hmm. um, so Mike Matei, hopefully I'm pronouncing that yeah, name right. From, uh, uh, he from is Cinema an... Massacre, Mike Matei and James Rolfe. Everybody knows him as the angry video game nerd and uh, James and Mike Mondays. Yes, he's a, a co-writer for the angry video game nerd. So apparently he um, he couldn't hold his alcohol <laughs> and uh, did something that no one is supposed to do, which seems to be a more uh, common thing, it seems like, on, on the Internet. Uh, he posted some dick pics. Yep. And not only that, but it was immediately deleted. And anybody that brings it up is immediately being kicked off of the subreddit. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, so like he, <laughs> so let me get this straight. So he posted the picture that I guess immediately realized he did it and yeah. then removed it. And here's, here's um, what happened. And I'm, I'm reading this for verbatim. This is, I think this is from one of the moderators uh, from Zodak Payet. Um, this says, and this is word for word. So uh, if there are any children, 
in the car or wherever you listen to this, just cover their ears for a minute. Uh, well, since I am in the leaks, I want to comment on this. A year ago, Mike approached uh, Red AVGN to merge with the Cinemassacre when Mike made an offer to have one unified sub. It was, at the time, a bastion of spam. We added Reddit mods, cleaned up the sub, and grew it to over 10,000 users. Then there was the dick pic incident. I think uh, what made him retract it was either that he sobered up, was told by James or someone to take it down, or the fact that he got called out for it, being a perspective shot with his dick closer to the camera than the tape measure, making it appear to be 10 inches, when <laughs> after the dick pic incident, Mike's behavior got more erratic. He'd occasionally set the sub to, to restricted without telling anyone. We'd find out from a user who was not able to post and send a mod mail. There was also another incident where he went on a band spree after he live-streamed himself playing a video game where he was straight blackout drunk. The stream got linked, and anyone who asked about it got ba got banned. A few months a few months ago, Mike has added shill YouTubers as mods and removed the Reddit mods. He's also banned anyone who talks about the e incident or Bootsy or anything he doesn't like, especially criticism or any Mike has a big dick memes. Um, and the reason I put this up here is I'm a huge uh, AVGN fan, Cinemasker. I love James and Mike Mondays, uh, Board James, the Angry Video Game Nerd. It was actually, Cinemasker was the very first sub I ever did um, on YouTube. It was the first channel I ever subscribed to. And I've been watching these guys for over a decade. And this is just really surprising because Mike doesn't strike me as the kind of person that would do something like this. But... You never know about people, I guess. I mean, I, I you know, they could be different than what their on-screen persona is. But he never struck me as this kind of guy. And this is just really kind of surprising to me that he would do something like that. This is, I, I've heard this type of story before. And I think I have an idea for something that needs to be added to all social media platforms that could avoid stuff like this. Like put it on YouTube Twitter, Facebook, anything that involves you posting things to the internet. Like as soon There's, as you post it, a little thing comes up that says, are you sure? <laughs> or don't send. Yeah. Some Because people sometimes in the heat of the moment will do stuff like that. Like it's not just, a, you know, a drunk thing or a, a drug thing. It's sometimes people just do gut reaction things in the moment. And once it's on the internet, yeah, it's there. It's you, not it, going anywhere. You can, especially if you're someone, you know, like this guy with AVGN, once you post it, somebody's going to see it instantly. Mm -hmm. And if they see it's controversial, all you have to do is screen cap it. And someone has it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if you delete it or not. Someone else will have it. Yeah, and I don't think this is going to hurt uh, Cinemassacre's numbers on YouTube or anything. But at the same time, it, it's just kind of like, wow, I can't believe he would do something like that, you know? Yeah, no, it, it's it's always the ones you don't expect. Yeah. That will end up doing so, something like that. I don't know, it's just so out of left field to do something like that. Yeah, and I mean, the way I look at it is, should he have done it? No, but we've all done stuff that we regret doing or we shouldn't have done. Yeah. Or I mean, I, at least... I've, I've made social media posts that I shouldn't have. <laughs> oh yeah. Me too. Everybody does. But I mean, if you're going to do something like this, at least own up to it and say, yeah, I did it. I'm sorry. 
Um, I was really, you know, just own up to it. Just be like, I'm drunk. I'll never do anything like that again. And uh, just kind of move on from it. Because the more you try to to cover it up or ban people and things like that, the worse it's going to be for you. If you just own up to it and apologize, it'll go away really fast. Because, look, people have really short attention spans these days. I mean, this is really hot at the moment on, on Reddit, but it's going to be gone in a week or so. Yeah, that's how all these news stories are. Something else will come up that will grab everybody else's attention. Yeah, because this isn't, isn't the first drama that's happened with the AVGN, especially first one happened when he did the 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 uh, review, not necessarily a review, but he did a video about why he wasn't going to watch the new Ghostbusters film. And uh, man, James got ripped across the Internet for people saying he was uh, a misogynistic and all this stuff. And I watched the video and I didn't think it was anything like that. And it was just people, you know, jumping on the bandwagon because because they thought it was something other than what it was. So you really have to be careful on the Internet these days because people, you know, it's, it's all clickbait headlines. People read headlines and they don't actually see what's actually in the article. So, you know, just everybody out there, just, you know, do your research before you, you jump on to, to bandwagons of any kind. Yeah, something I like to do with those is especially if an article is posted on Facebook and it's only the headline. If it has a lot of comments, usually someone will just say what the article says. Yeah. And that way you don't have to click on it because a lot of it is clickbait. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but let's go ahead and move on. Let's move into this month in video game history. In 1983, June 14th, Nintendo releases Mario Brothers, which features the first appearance of, appearance of Mario's brother, Luigi. Yeah, and this is not the Super Mario Brothers no. traditional NES game. This is an arcade game, which is actually a little underrated, in my opinion. Have yes, you ever played it, this game before? Oh, yeah, it's not bad. What what game is it that you can actually uh, play this uh, as kind of like a mini game? It was something we just uh, talked about not too long ago. Was it Mario? I think it might have been on Mario All-Stars. It may have been. Let's see. I'm looking at it right now. Where was it? Uh, game was re-released on virtual console service in North America for Wii, 3DS, and Wii U. Copies of games in the Game Boy Advance's Super Mario Advance series, as well as Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. And it was included as a mini game in Super Mario Brothers 3. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I knew it was something we talked about recently. Yeah, but no, this is actually, um, it, it's a fun little arcade game, and you wouldn't think this was the first appearance of Luigi. Yeah. But, you know, it, you should definitely check it out. I mean, it's got uh, some fairly simple gameplay. Yeah. Deceptively difficult, because yeah. I'm not very good at this game. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> no, definitely check it out. It, it's It's good. Um, June 19th, 1983, Cinematronics releases Advanced Microcomputer Systems Dragon's Lair, the second Laserdisc video game and the first in the American market. I, I've never heard of this game before. You've never played Dragon's Lair? I have oh, not. Oh, man, this was the one game in uh, the arcade that everybody, it was hot as hell for a few years after it came out. This was the one game that, you know, kind of drew your attention when you were in the, the arcade because it was full uh, animated graphics um, by, um, oh man, I, his name just escaped me, uh, the, the animator that did the animation for it. 
Um, uh, animation by ex Disney animator Don Bluth. Don Bluth, yeah, I knew, couldn't pull the word Bluth out of my head. Um, but yeah, it was. Um, but it was back in the day. I mean, you're talking about 1983, and it was like a dollar to play this game. So, and you didn't last very long either. It was a very hard game to play. The cover art's kind of cool, or the promo poster that's on Wikipedia. Yeah, you should look up some YouTube videos of it. It's a very interesting game. I had no idea Don Bluth worked on this because he he did a lot of great stuff back in the day. I think he did uh, Land Before Time. Mm -hmm. I think he did Um, uh, The Black Cauldron, didn't he? uh, He might have. I'm looking at his his work. Black Cauldron, Black Cauldron. Oh, he did Rock-A-Doodle? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and actually, just recently, they did a Kickstarter. He and uh, some other programmers did a Kickstarter. They were trying to do Dragon's Lair um, animated movie, um, mm-hmm. but it didn't fund. And I, I'm not sure what they're going to do with it now. I'm not seeing the Black Cauldron on this list. Okay, I knew I knew he... I mean, his animation style, you know his animation style when you see it. Uh, it's, uh, oh, yeah. He did a lot of Disney stuff. Absolutely. At, uh, let's see. In June of 1983, Data East releases Vegas Battle, an early Laserdisc video game. It uses anime FMV cutscenes to develop a story between the game's shooting stages, which would later become the standard approach to video game storytelling. Now, this game I've never heard of. I haven't either. I'm reading a little bit about it here. It says apparently they use footage from a film named Harmageddon to create the video game. Harmageddon. Harmageddon. Weird. I've never heard of that before. Never haven't heard of that either. That is interesting though, using I guess footage from a movie. Yeah. And that would be kind of a clash of of looks. Or is it, is this, this might be an animated movie. Of course, the Wikipedia doesn't say anything. But this looks like it might have been a Japanese-only game, which yeah. is why we never heard of it. That's what I'm thinking. Huh, interesting. Uh, 1984, on June 6th, Alexei, whose last name I cannot pronounce. <laughs> I was going to say, good luck with this name. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not even going to give pa- that one an attempt. Payetnov, or something like that. <laughs> Creates Tetris for the Electronica 60 in the Soviet Union. I love Tetris. Tetris is one of the most addicting video games of all time. Oh, yeah. Well, probably the best puzzle game or just kind of time, like the, one of those time waster kind of puzzle games of all time. It's the granddaddy. Oh, absolutely. It's like we were talking about with Mario 64 last week being the standard for 3D platformers. To me, Tetris is the standard for puzzle games. Yeah. Like they, a, they all compare to Tetris. Oh, yeah, and especially like Dr. Mario and all that stuff. And there's a really interesting YouTube video, and I'm pretty sure it's by uh, the gaming historian. Or it's, it's by somebody like that. But it's all about the, uh, the legal battles that Tetris went through in the 80s because of the, the different rights. Like the rights were sold to somebody, but they didn't have legal legal right to it to sell it and then and like that's why tetris had a, or um, nintendo had a version of it and you know like every there were other versions of it like um tangan i think had thought they had rights to it it was crazy like w- the rights surrounding tetris and it's a really interesting little documentary to watch now i have to check that out but no tetris is 
Tetris, I spent a lot of time, because I remember having, my introduction to Tetris was uh, the Game Boy version. And yeah. that was a game that, for the Game Boy, was one that I played the most. Like, there was that, the Mario Land series, but Tetris I spent a lot of time with, and it has some of the best music. Oh, yeah, exactly, yeah. It, that was, like, the quintessential uh, Game Boy game to have. For when they did Super Smash Brothers Brawl for the Wii, they had an orchestrated version of that song, and it is sick. I'll have to send it to you. It's really, really good. We might have to put that on our um, favorite uh, game theme episodes coming up soon. I got to start making my list. Yeah, that's going to take a while. <laughs> uh, on June first of nineteen ninety, Origin releases Ultima Six: The False Prophet. Uh, I was never really into the Ultima games, but I know there's like 80 of them, and uh, the Ultima Online is still going after like 20 years. So, um, yeah, I guess somebody out there knows this game. <laughs> there's even been fan remakes as well. There's a, a fan-made recreation of Ultima 6 using the Dungeon Siege, Siege engine. I can't talk today. The U6 project was released on July 5th, 2010, and another remake used the Exalt engine using graphics from Ultima 7, and it was an MMO version of Ultima 6 called Ultima 6 Online. So that's different from Ultima Online. Yeah, I guess so. That's nuts. I've never heard of this series before. Oh, Ultima's been around almost as long, well, pretty much as long as you've been alive. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, let's see. It was released. Yeah. First game was 1990. So, yeah, I was I was three going on four. Well, no, that was I, actually part that six. That was in 1990. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I see it. Yeah. Ultima six. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's been around. See, this game probably while. is older than I am. Mm-hmm. Wow. But a game that is not older than I am came out on June 23rd, 1991. Sega releases Sonic the Hedgehog for the Sega Mega Drive slash Genesis, which later becomes the pack-in game for the console. It introduces the character who would go on to be Sega's mascot, and they also released a version of the game for the Master System and Game Gear. Sonic, I mean, there's not too much more you can say about it that we haven't already. I mean, to me, he's the second most popular video game mascot of all time behind Mario. Mm-hmm. He Sonic was close to that level. And then when they made the transition to 3d, the game quality went down quite a bit in yeah. my opinion. But you know, we've talked about Sonic mania coming out, which I believe will be in August kind of going back to its roots with the 2d layout, you know, bringing back some of the old levels while introducing new ones uh, I hope that means that Sonic might be making a little bit of a comeback, but you know, the, I, I do love the classic Sonic series for the Genesis. Yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog is definitely one of the best video games ever made, and definitely a classic up up there with Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, I mean, it's when you think of video games, Sonic is one of the first, you know, three or four that come to mind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially at that era, man, Sonic was. He he was just as recognizable as Mario. And Sonic also had... Uh, did you ever watch any of the old animated series like the Sonic and the Mario? Uh, uh, I used to watch Super Mario World cartoon. I feel like we might have had this conversation before. Yeah, like maybe in the earlier episodes. But 
there was a there's a Sonic cartoon. It was just there were two different versions. There was Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, which was like really kid friendly, and then they did Sonic the Hedgehog. The fans call it Sat AM because it used to come on Saturday mornings, and it actually had a really good plot to it. It was pretty dark compared to like a Mario series. Yeah. And it's it's really, really good. Hmm. Uh, it didn't get to finish its run because it had to compete with a little-known show called the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and everything bowed down to Power Rangers at that time. Oh, of so course. It, the, the cartoon ended on a bit of a cliffhanger. But what's cool is when they finally released the DVD set, I think back in 2007 or 2008, they did an interview with one of the writers from the show. And he actually revealed what was going to happen that following season. Oh, that's cool. But, you know, it was unfortunate that they never got to finish it because the cartoon was really, really good. It's one of my, you know, top five probably cartoons of all time. Seems like that should be something they should release on Netflix or Hulu. Uh, I, I could I could do a whole separate podcast on what would work as, you know, movies and Netflix shows. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, that, I, we should actually do that. Hey, I'm down. <laughs> but uh, but actually, this rolls right up into our little mid-roll here about what, we, what we're reading lately. So, Derek, what, what have you been reading? Well, before we get to that, I have to say that for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free, I can't emphasize that word enough, free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Like I said, it's free. That's my favorite four-letter word. Free, 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 free. As we mentioned earlier, they have over 180,000 titles to choose from. That's more books than any of us will listen to in our lifetime. And they have stuff for everybody. If you like mysteries, they've got mysteries. If you're a hopeless romantic, they've got the romance books. If you like autobiographies, they have plenty of those. If you're a Star Wars fan, they've got a ton of Star Wars books. They've got Halo, Gears of War, Mass Effect, anything that you would want. It's something that I personally have just started listening to and am really intrigued by it. It's a, something a little different than what I'm used to reading. It's the newest Neil deGrasse Tyson book, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. Oh, yeah. It's a it's not a very long book. It's less than four hours long. So and compared to a lot of the other ones, that's not long at all. And, you know, if you're on the go like I am, then Audible is a great service to listen to. So you can still get to have the reading experience without having to sit down for, you know, an hour or two and just actually sit down and read a physical book. What about you, Jason? What are you reading? Uh, I'm in the middle of Wizard and Glass, which is book four of Stephen King's The Dark Tower series, which the movie is going to be coming out in about three months. So if you want to get kind of get a little bit of a an idea of what the movie is going to be about, just go over there and pick up The Gunslinger, which is the uh, Dark Tower book one. You can get that for t totally for free if you use our offer code. Absolutely, and we do have the Dark Tower movie coming out fairly soon too. Mm -hmm. So August, if you want to, if you want to learn more about that universe, then you should check that out over on Audible. But to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com/nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com/nerdcave for your free audiobook. 
And this week, our review is going to be about... Narc is a 1988 arcade game. It was one of the first ultra-violent video games and a frequent target of parental criticism of the arcade game industry. The object is to arrest and kill drug offenders, confiscate their money and drugs, and defeat Mr. Big. It was the first game in the newly restarted Williams Electronics coin-op division after being acquired by Midway. It was ported uh, to the NES in 1990 by Rare, and the franchise was relaunched with a brand new game for the Xbox and PS2 in 2005. Um, and the uh, Nintendo Entertainment version of NARC, published by Acclaim and developed by Rare, was billed as the first video game with a strong anti-drug message. However, Nintendo forced all drug references to be removed from the actual gameplay. Despite the NES's system's limitation, the game retained most of its violence and gore. The gameplay was significantly handicapped as the NES controller only has two buttons, whereas the arcade version has four. However, the ability to jump and fire missiles was preserved. In 1990, Acclaim released NARC as a handheld LCD game. So after all that, I remember the big controversy about this game, which is pretty much why I loved it in the arcade. And when they did the the NES version of it, which was kind of weird because at, at this time, you know, ports from uh, <coughs> actual arcade games to the, the home consoles were never that great. But at the same time, this was 1990 when they were able to push the limitations of the NES by this time. So they could have done a better job with the actual um, the, the the graphics on this game, and the gameplay is is pretty straightforward. I mean, you have guns, you have you, you have levels where you're just this basic side scroller, and it's almost like a game of uh, uh, sur- uh, what do they call those games where it's just like endless waves, like you know, like the horde mode is basically what it is. It's like yeah. you're going through these levels, and it's basically just horde mode the entire time to get to the end of the level. Uh, some of the levels you're in a car, and you can actually run people over, and there's just ridiculous amounts of blood and violence and gore. Um, and this is actually one of the few games that I actually finished when I was a kid. Uh, I could count on maybe one hand how many actual Nintendo games I actually finished. This is one of those games. Yeah, that, that should speak to the difficulty of all the games that came out back then. And you know, looking through this uh, through the Wikipedia page, I had completely forgot that a Rare developed this game. Mm-hmm. And Rare is you know one of my favorite game developers of all time. And that being said, you know I haven't really I've heard of the game, but I don't know too much about it. I know they did uh, an update, I believe it was for the PS2 yeah. back in the mid-2000s. That I do remember, but I didn't know you know, at that time that it was an update of an old NES game. And that's what I was going to say. If you're, I mean, if you're an NES collector and you never played this game, or even if you did, it's it's a cool game to have in your collection. It's not something that I play all the time, like, I have played it a few times over the last couple of weeks, just trying to get ready to, you know, to review it. And it, 
it's a fun game to play, but it's kind of mindless because, like I said, all it is is just horde mode the entire time. There's no strategy. It's just it's all about just surviving to the end of the level. And um, and if you're gonna, if you really want the the full experience of this game, go get a um, you know, a emulated version of the actual arcade game because that was the game that was just ridiculous. Um, I loved playing this game in the arcade. Uh, the graphics were slick. Uh, the The controls were awesome. And it was just, it, it was so violent. And for, for the time, it was just like, holy crap. I mean, there's like, you know, heads flying and spines being ripped wow. out. And just, you could run people over with your car. And just, you know, in the arcade version, you actually get to kill dogs that are chasing you but on the nes version it's like you shoot the dog and they turn into a puppy and they run away <laughs> but um but yeah it's like i said there's not really much to this game it's it's kind of a brainless shooter so if you're in the mood for that it it's the perfect game to play but like i said if you're really wanting the the actual arcade experiences which which is what i would recommend go go find an emulated version of this game of the actual arcade version yeah, because with console games back then, you didn't really have the type of violence that you would see in NARC. Oh, no. Oh, no. I don't know how this game got away with the amount of blood and violence that it did. And this game still stands as probably one of the weirdest final bosses of the game. Um, like, Mr. Big, like, you're going through this whole game, and you're basically fighting regular people you know, and ant, like dogs and stuff. And then you get to this final boss and it's like, he's like this huge head on this little weird looking body, like sliding all over the room. And then you shoot off all of his skin and this giant skull comes out on an elongated, um, you know, neck bones that are trying to kill you across the screen. It's nuts. Like I can't eat. It's like a fever dream. That sounds interesting yeah <laughs> but you definitely go check out the um there are a lot of youtube videos of uh, especially one like we were talking about earlier there was one for james and mike mondays at cinemassacre where they did a playthrough for james and mike mondays and it's not the entire playthrough i mean it's like a 20 or 25 minute video of them just kind of skipping around through the game and you they get to the final boss and it's just like like wow this really that escalated quickly yeah but no, that, that's interesting, though, because like I said earlier, I haven't like I know of this game, but I didn't really know anything about it until you know, until you told me. I mean, it, it sounds it sounds interesting for sure, like interesting in a good way. Oh, yeah. And it, like I said, it's you know, people used to get um, really up in arms about like Mortal Kombat and the amount of violence that that game had. They had nothing on Narc. I mean, this game was nuts. So, like I said, it's basically just your straightforward run-and-gun horde mode for each level. Uh, it's not really much to think about. There's no puzzles or anything like that. It's just straight survive the level for each level. And I don't even remember how many levels there are. There's like six, seven, eight levels to the game. And uh, you fight your mini-bosses at the end of the game, at the end of each level. And uh, there, you know, there's different play styles throughout the game. You got your side scrolling shooter, and then there are levels where you're actually driving a car across a. You're trying to get across a bridge where there's like um, landmines and things you gotta, you know, uh, barricades you've gotta avoid. 
Um, it, it's pretty fun. It's a really fun game. And like I said, the the NES version, the graphics aren't all that great, but the actual gameplay is still good. Good enough to to make it worth playing. But if you, like I said, if you really want that experience of the arcade, get an emulated arcade version of this game. That's what I would recommend. But um, but on a scale of one to ten, the NES version, it's competent. So I would give it probably a a good six and a half out of ten. Nice. So yeah, six six I consider you know a game that you you should play. Yeah. Like not one that you would absolutely go out of your way to do, but if you have the opportunity to do it, then. You should. Yeah, if you come across this game, at, and like this is not by any stretch of the imagination a, a rare game or anything. I mean, yeah, they were made by Rare, but it's not a rare game. You can pick this game up at any retro store for like, you know, three, four, five bucks maybe. And if you do, it's worth a play. It's worth picking up, but I wouldn't go out of my way to actually hunt it down to get a copy of it. I gotcha. Which, uh, speaking of Rare, uh, next week I'll be still doing uh, N64 games for my reviews. I have a poll up on the Nerd Cave Facebook page asking what you, the listeners, would like me to review for my next game. And so far, Conker's Bad Fur Day, which was made by Rare, (laughs) is in the lead. And uh, I'll say if that wins... That's a game that uh, that kids should not play <laughs> by any stretch. It's basically cute animal characters meet South Park. Wow, I've never played that game, so I'm interested. Oh, if now I hope it wins because there's <laughs> there's a song that I don't know if you'll use it, but if you hear it, you'll be like, "What the hell is this?" I'm definitely looking forward to this. But no, it was uh, that I'll have to check out more info on Narc. It it, it seems pretty interesting. Yeah, definitely go take a look at the uh, the James and Mike Mondays version, uh, where they did the playthrough of the they did an em, uh, the arcade emulator, and the graphics mm-hmm. are great. Uh, the graphics for this game were awesome, and um, they didn't really port all that well to the NES. And like I said, this was 1990, so they could have done a better job with the 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 graphics, but the gameplay is still there, so it's worth playing. It's not broke. It's not a broken game um at all the it's it's very fun and playable it's just it's not really pretty to look at sweet but cool but that uh brings us up to the end of the show is there anything you wanted to get out there before we leave uh the fine folks this week uh no i don't think so just uh thanks again for tuning in uh be sure to check out all of our other shows we have here on the nerd cave network we have this show of course nerd mm-hmm. cave retro we have my solo show the Derek diamond experience We have uh, Battle of the Brands, our wrestling podcast on Thursdays. Fridays, we have the Nerd Cave podcast, and we have Jason's other show, Pop Culture Palette, on Saturdays. Yes. Go check that out. And actually, uh, go check out, um, if you're interested, uh, Pop Culture Palette also has a Patreon where we do extra episodes every month. And for this month, we did our... A monthly game show episode where we did uh do you know star wars and Ooh. out of uh, it was wally was the host and it was out of me stephanie and steve and you'll never guess who whipped everybody's ass it wasn't me <laughs> <laughs> i'll have to check it out uh, it wasn't Steve either. <laughs> oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, Stephanie is the reigning champion of Do You Know Blank for the pop culture palette. 
That's shocking. I know. She whipped my ass, man. Uh, now I definitely have to go check that out. And you go listen to our older episodes, like the Disney episode and stuff. She whipped Wally's ass. I mean, she's like, she is the reigning champion of Do You Know Blank. It's crazy. Wow. Well, I would have never expected anybody to beat Wally at Disney. I know. And you, th- how did she beat me? Dude, Go. I'm just got a little spoiler for the episode. I couldn't remember the name of the Star Destroyer which was the very first one you see in Star Wars that was uh, chasing the Tantive Four at the very beginning. I couldn't remember the name of it. I thought it was the Vindicator, but it turns out it's the Devastator. It is the Devastator. She didn't know it, but she just pulled Devastator out of her ass, out of uh, just sheer um, powers of deduction. And she and just go listen to the episode. Go go throw us a dollar a month and you get access to that episode. It's crazy. It was so fun and funny. We had such a good time making that episode. Awesome. Yeah, and definitely check out the Nerd Cave Patreon too at patreon.com slash nerdcave. We do exclusive episodes of the Nerd Cave podcast every month. Uh, we also have uh, if you want early access to the Nerd Cave podcast, which comes out for free on Friday, but if you want access to it a couple of days early, you can check that out as well. We have all kinds of cool tiers that you can check out at patreon.com slash nerdcave. Absolutely. We do the same thing. So for as little as $2 a month, you can subscribe to us and the Nerd Cave, and you get all the extra stuff. That's like 20 cents an episode or something like that. You can't beat that with a stick, man. No, Absolutely. Anyway, you can, anybody can show. throw together two dollars. <laughs> we need to do one for this show so we can start making some money over here. Get some yeah, absolutely. money for video games and stuff. <laughs> Buy more games. Buy more games. But on that note, if you would like to get a hold of us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com, which I should probably go actually check that every once in a while. <laughs> which I'm really bad about. If you want to get a hold of us and actually in real time go to over to twitter and follow us at, at nerd cave retro and on facebook at facebook.com slash nerd cave retro you can find us both individually on twitter at jfunktastic and at derek underscore diamond we're also on instagram at nerd cave retro we're at nerd cave and i think that's gonna do it for this week so derek tell them what it's all about may the way of the hero lead to the triforce buy more games buy more games You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.